Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Go with me tonight to the book of Acts chapter 1. We've been, last week we started our series in the book of Acts. And uh, uh, we're going to be continuing that tonight. Uh, I'm going to be, as you know, I'm going to be going basically verse by verse through this book. And looking at the model of a spirit-filled church in the type of church that God uses. And last week we talked about being lovers of God. We talked about the the experience with uh, with God. And so tonight we're going to be talking about waiting. And that is something that we have a hard time with. And that is waiting. We like the expression that we get to go and we get to do. And the task in front of us is great. If you look around at what's going on in the world right now, we have a great task that is in front of us. There's a great harvest. There is a great mission that is in front of us to be accomplished. But before we can go, we must wait. What are we waiting on? We have to wait for us to be equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And sometimes we go before we are ever equipped. Sometimes we go before God has empowered us. And over, over the course of this book, we'll talk about the fact that an empowerment doesn't happen one time. I know a lot, I know a lot of people that they got filled one time and that was it. But how many knows that it is a continual filling? That we ought to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. And if there's ever a time in a day that we need the Spirit of God to overflow in our lives, it is right now. The task ahead of us is great. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God to be manifest in us before we do anything. If we're going to change, if we're going to change our churches, if we're going to change our communities, if we're going to change our nation, I said it, I think I said it Sunday night. It is not going to come through the White House. It's not, and it's not going to come through a Democrat. It's not going to come through a Republican, but it'll come through men and women of God who have been baptized, empowered, clothed with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. Amen. And so you might say that the first word of the Great Commission is not go, but it is wait. And you are not to go until you have the power to go. So Acts, the first chapter, begin reading at verse 5, or begin reading at verse 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. And over the next couple of weeks, over the next two to three weeks, I'm going to spend a great deal of my focus in these verses. And so Acts, the first chapter, begin reading at verse number 4. We're going to read down through verse number 8. Acts chapter 1, begin reading at verse 4. The Bible says, And being assembled together... With them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You may be seated in the house of God tonight. So the first thing that he tells these disciples is he tells them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father that you have heard me speak about. See, this depart from Jerusalem is the same as what we find in the, at the end of Luke's Gospel when he, will, when he will tell his disciples, when he'll say, Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And the promise that he is given here is no doubt a, a promise that was given in the book of Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. When the prophet wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God and he said, It shall come to pass... Afterward, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days. The reason why I say no doubt that this is a reference to Joel 2. Is when the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, and the people were questioning what means all of this and what is going on in all this. Peter stands up and he explains to them the meaning of the supernatural phenomenon that happens in Acts chapter 2 by saying, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So let me stop right here and let's have some great. Uh, foundational teaching. There's a lot of teaching right now that is going on that is saying we are waiting for the out for the Joel outpouring. Can I tell you the Joel outpouring happened over 2,000 years ago in the upper room. We are living in the days of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. We are not waiting for some fulfillment to happen. It has already been fulfilled. The Spirit of God has already been poured out. We we live in a perpetual outpouring of the Spirit of God. I'm not waiting on an outpouring. The outpouring is already here. It is up for you. It is up to you and I to receive the Spirit of God. Amen. And so, during the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon men, but it wouldn't come upon everybody. It would only come upon certain individuals. When and I think of I think of Moses in the book of Numbers, when the duties overseeing the people in the wilderness became so great that it was humanly impossible for Moses to handle all the problems, the Lord commanded Moses to bring seventy of the elders together into the tent of the congregation, and he would take the spirit that was upon Moses and put it upon those 70 elders. Because we read in the book of Numbers chapter 11 and verse 25, the Bible says, And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke unto Moses and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that the spirit rested upon them and they prophesied and did not cease. But something interesting happened there. All of a sudden there were people outside of the tent that began to prophesy. There were people outside of the tent that began to proclaim the wondrous works of the Lord. And you know the story because in just a few verses later, in verses 28 and 29, Joshua comes to Moses and he tells Moses, Moses, there are some with outside of the tent that are prophesying. He says, Moses forbid them. But Moses would say, Are you envious for my sake? He said, I wish that all of God's people would be prophets. And that the Spirit of God would rest upon them. 
Why did Moses say that? Moses, I believe, said that because I believe that he felt that his job would be much easier if everybody was filled with the Spirit of God. My goodness, let me stop right there. I want to tell you, things in the church would be a whole lot easier if everybody was filled with the Spirit of God. If everybody was clothed with power from on high. And Job foresaw this happening in the last days as God would pour out His Spirit upon everybody. See, we also have another promise. And that is found in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. When John is baptizing those unto repentance in the Jordan River. And he tells them, he says, There's one coming after me that is mightier than I. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. And he says, There's one coming after me that is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to unloose. He said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus would give the same testimony of that when He would say, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in just a few days. So we're going to break some things down here tonight. Because let's talk about this baptism. Let's talk about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, when we talk about the baptism of John, here's what we've got to understand. In the baptism of John unto repentance, John was the baptizer, the water was the element, and repentance of sin was the issue. When we are baptized into water, it is a symbol. It is, a, it is symbolic that we have died to this flesh. That the old man or the old woman has been buried and has been raised into, new, into the newness of life. Baptism is important. But what about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What about the baptism in the Holy Ghost? You see, with the baptism in the Holy Ghost, we find out that Jesus, He is the baptizer. So let's preach it. Let's talk about this. I find nowhere in Scripture where it says that we ought to seek after the Holy Ghost. It's not found anywhere in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to flood the altars and seek for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, Brother Jeremy, what are we supposed to be seeking after? Jesus. Because it is Jesus, the one who baptizes in the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the baptizer because He shall baptize you. What is the element? You are baptized in the Holy Ghost. And what is the issue? It is the power to witness. There's a lot of debate as to why we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so let's, 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 let's narrow it down right here. The reason why we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not so that we can claim that we are Pentecostal. It is not so that we can that we can say that we speak in tongues. It is not so that we can have emotional experiences. I'm thankful for all of that. But the, the number one priority that we are baptized into the Spirit of God is for you and I to be uh, to have power to witness in His name. If there's ever a time that we need. The power to witness, it is now. You see, because the idea, the idea of baptism is that of being immersed, covered, and overflowing. 
Jesus wants to immerse you, cover you, and have you overflowing with the Spirit of God. Oh, I feel it in my soul right now. Because here's the thing. In order for you to be empowered with the Spirit of God, there can't be any part of you around. See, when we are baptized, we are immersed. I, and listen, I'm not, I'm not critical of people who want to who sprinkle. But baptism, the true word in the Greek for baptism means to immerse. It means to be buried. It means to go under. When you are baptized, whether if it is in water unto repentance... Or whether or not it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That means that your life is immersed and covered with the Spirit of God. Amen. There can't be any of us hanging out anywhere. Romans chapter 8 tells us about that. It tells us the difference between the life of the flesh and the life of the Spirit. You are either controlled by the Spirit or you are controlled by the flesh. There is no in-between. You are either spirit-led or you are fleshly-led. You are either led by the flesh or you are led by the spirit. Jesus would say it like this. He said, you are either of me, he says, or you are either of the devil. People say, you know what, I don't believe. And people say, I don't believe in demonic possession. Because we don't see people foaming at the mouth and barking like dogs and everything like that. But here's the thing. If God doesn't have possession of you, if the Spirit of God doesn't have possession of you, something else has to have possession of you. Amen. And so God's will for the church is for us to be immersed, to be covered, to be overflowed with the Holy Spirit. Because there is a difference. And we're going to get into some Bible teaching here. There is a difference between the filling and the baptism. There is a difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is just as the Word applies. Your life is filled with God's Spirit. This takes place at conversion. This is what being born again is all about. It is being born of the Spirit of God into the new life of Christ. Because even Jesus would say, no one can call on the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, we think we made that decision. But we couldn't even come to Him unless the Spirit was drawing us. Bible says in Corinthians, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you. Paul would write in Ephesians and he would say, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be continually filled with the Spirit. The purpose of, the Holy, of being filled with the Holy Spirit to help us. Jesus promised His disciples that He would not leave them comfortless. How many are thankful that God didn't leave us to figure this out on our own? How many are thankful that God didn't, didn't just leave us to happenstance? But He said that He would pray to the Father and that He would give us another comforter, one just like He was. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world could not receive because it did not know Him. But Jesus said, but you know Him, for He dwells in you and shall be in you. The word comfort in the Greek there is the word parakleton. It means one that comes alongside to help. He promised us, my goodness, God promised us help in the midst of what we're in right now. 
He promised us a comforter. He promised us power in this. While everybody is, is, is worrying, while everybody is frantic, while everybody is full with anxiety and fear, how many knows that the church of the living God, we have a power that works inside of us that tells us, I don't have to be afraid, that brings comfort and peace in the middle of everything that's going on. He's not only there to comfort us, but He's also there to teach us all things. Helps us understand the Word of God. He's there to help us to remember all things that Jesus taught us. He's there to prompt us as to what to say when we're called to give a witness. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 13 and verse 11 when He says, But when they shall lead you and deliver you, and deliver you up. Take no thought beforehand what you shall speak. Neither. Don't even premeditate it. Don't rehearse it. Don't practice it. He says, but whatsoever shall be given to you in that hour. That speak you. For it is not you that is speaking. But it is the Holy Ghost. My goodness. In the middle of it all. And we're in the middle of it all. Let me just stop right here. In the middle of what is going on right now. What the world needs is not people who were rehearsing things. People who will rely on the Holy Ghost. I don't know how. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I heard Jensen Franklin say it like this one time. He says, the answer to the how is the Holy Ghost. Amen. I heard him preach a message one time that said, how? The Holy Ghost. We've got to understand the answer comes in the form of the Spirit of God. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. He dwells in us to transform us into the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 would tell us, But we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. The Lord. You see, the Spirit of God helps us to be conformed into the image of God. See, here's the thing, church. If you are filled with the Spirit of God, every day you will become more like Jesus. If your life is not becoming like Jesus, you're not filled with the Spirit. Sorry to say that. Let's, let's, let's dig in a little bit in there. And you've heard me say it before. If you're, if you're cussing out your neighbor and you come into church on Sunday and speak in tongues, you're filled with the Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Let me just, let me just stop right here and let me tell you this. Pastor, back me up on this, please. But I want to tell you right now, don't tell me that a Christian ought to be cussing. Sweet water and bitter water do not flow out of the same fountain. It doesn't happen. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll be like Christ. Yes. I'll be like Christ. Yeah. If I'm filled with the Spirit of God, I won't fly off at the handle every little every time something doesn't go my way. I know that's tough. I know that's hard preaching. But sweet water and bitter water don't come out of the same fountain. Whatever's in the bucket will always come up out, will always come up out of the well. And if flesh is what is in here, 
Flesh will always arise. But if it's the Spirit of the Lord living on the inside of you, that is what will come up. You see, He dwells within me to help me in my personal walk in relationship with the Lord. Now the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that is the overflowing. You see, it's one thing to fill a cup with water. And it's quite another to fill it until it overflows. And this was something that the Lord spoke to me. And I really believe that the Lord spoke to me this. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit flowing into my life. And it's quite another to have the Holy Spirit flowing out of my life. It's one thing to come into church and to say, Lord, fill me. Fill me, Lord, fill me. But when we go out, the Spirit of the Lord should be overflowing in our lives so that it will affect everything that it touches. Let me talk about it here real quick. In the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says that Ezekiel saw a river flowing out of the throne of God. And Ezekiel said that he got into ankle deep water, he got up to knee deep water, he got up to water around his waist, and then he got up into the waters to swim in. I don't want to get into all that right now, but what was interesting about the river is the Bible says that everywhere the river flowed, there was healing. Everything that the river touched healed. If we say that we have the river of God flowing out of us, if we have the Spirit of God that is flowing out of us, it ought to produce change in the things that it comes in contact with. John, in the book of John chapter 7, he says... John chapter 7 and verse 37, he says, In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus cried and He said, If any man thirst, let him come unto Me and drink. And he that believes on Me, as the Scripture says, out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water. And now listen, because this is the verse that all of that hangs on. Verse 39, it says, But... This spake He of the Spirit, which they that believed on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost had not yet been given, because Jesus had not been glorified. Verse 38 is John's personal commentary on the statement of Jesus about the rivers of living water gushing out of a person's life. I don't know about you tonight, church, but... I believe that what this nation needs is it needs people whose lives are overfilled with the Spirit of God. Amen? Jesus is describing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now I understand there are those who object to the term baptism of the Holy Spirit. For by one Spirit, Corinthians said... We are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. In both cases, Paul is referring to the unity of the body of Christ. Let me stop right here and let me say this. If we are full of the Spirit of God, there will be unity. If we are filled with the Spirit of God, there will be unity. You see, unfortunately, there are many today that don't accept unity. 
and insist you've got to be baptized in their personal group. If you're not, if you're not part of our church, if you haven't been a part of our church, you, we cannot be accepted. Here, listen. Listen to me carefully. Pentecostalism is not a denomination. Pentecostalism does not belong to the church of God. It doesn't belong to the assemblies of God. It doesn't belong to the independent churches. It does not belong to anybody. Pentecostalism is a movement. It is not a denomination. I know, I know great Baptist preachers and great Baptist men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God. I know people and other denominations who are filled with the Spirit of God. But can I tell you something? Here's the, here's the thing. We are all part of the body. And just like Moses told Joshua, he said, I wish all of God's children would prophesy. Jesus said in our text, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. The purpose of the baptism to give you power to witness. Acts 1 and 8 says, For you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Read an alarming statistic today. 82% of evangelical Christians feel like that it is not important for them to share their faith. Eighty-two percent of evangelical Christians believe that it is not important for them to share their faith. Ninety-four percent of Christians, of evangelical Christians, claim that they never won one person to Jesus. So let me ask you this question, church. How can we say that we are spirit-filled if we're not winning people? When we get to the book of Acts chapter 2, I don't have time to get into it tonight. But Pentecost is about the harvest. Pentecost is not about necessarily signs and wonders. I'm thankful for the signs and wonders. But the signs and wonders and the miracles are to point to Jesus. We can have all the signs and wonders, but if people are not getting saved, please understand what I'm saying. I, we can have all the exuberance and service, but if lives are not being transformed, it's just emotionalism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to witness. We're coming up in chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit will fall on the believers. And listen to this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, however you want to word it, is based on three things. He is with you. What is He with you for? To convict us of sin. The Bible would say. Do you ever got ready to do something and all of a sudden you felt that nudge and said, no, you probably shouldn't be doing that? Or even after you got done doing it, you walk away and you begin to think to yourself, man, I really shouldn't have done that. That's the Holy Spirit. Sure. 
That's the Holy, that's the Holy Spirit. He convicts of sin. Because see, see, here's the reason. That's the reason. And now, you can write this. If you're taking notes, you can write this note down. This is, this, what I'm getting ready to say is my opinion. That's the reason why I necessarily don't believe in the prayer where we say, you know, well, Lord, if I've done anything wrong, forgive me. Because if I understand the Scripture correctly, if there's sin, God will reveal it. And God will let me know that, hey, this here, this is an issue that we need to work on. The Holy Spirit is with us to convict us. That's the reason why you hear those stories of sinners sitting in the church pew. I remember my uncle, before he got saved, to hear his testimony, he would say, I gripped the back of that pew until my knuckles turned white. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God was convicting. My goodness, we need services again where the Spirit of God brings old-fashioned conviction of sin. To let somebody know, I, I don't want one sinner... I don't want one sinner to walk through those doors and listen to what listen to what I'm saying. I want to love them. I I I want I want to I want to care for them. But I don't want one sinner to walk through the doors of this church and sit in a pew and feel comfortable in the state that they're in. And I want when they come to the doors of this church, or whether if I meet them on a street corner, I want the I want this Holy Spirit to be so overflowing in my life. That they feel the convicting power of the Spirit of God. I don't want them walking away thinking that how they're living is okay. I want the Spirit of God to convict their hearts in their lives. David said it like this. He said, search me, O God, and know me. And see if there be any wicked thing in me. Not only is He with you, but He's also in you. He dwells in you. Everywhere you go, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, He goes with you. Regardless of where you go. Listen. I'm trying to wrap this up. I've got just a few more notes. And you've heard us talk about it. We, we talk about, we have talked about prayer being taken out of school. We have talked about God being taken out of, out of the government. We've talked, we've talked about all of those things. But I'm afraid that what we're wanting is we're wanting a ritual to be instituted back in everything. Which really what needs to happen, because here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this. When I, I substituted, I substitute taught for five years. I taught in Polk County, Florida for five years. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you what the power of the Holy Ghost will do. I remember the last school that I, that I was at. I was calling on my first day there. You can ask my wife. My first day that was there, I walked in. I taught science off. Five years, I walked into that classroom and to replace the teacher that had left and had resigned. And I started, I started taking my role. I started taking my attendance. And after I took my attendance, I started telling people about myself, introduced myself to the classroom so they could get to know me. There was a young lady that was sitting in the very back of the classroom. And she raised her hand and she said, she said, Mr. Cook, can I ask you a personal question? And I said, you know, in school, you don't know what kind of questions are getting ready to be asked when they start off that. And I said, well, I said, I said, I guess it just depends on the question. And she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And all of a sudden, tears begin to flow down her face. And she said, 
Nobody knows this. But this afternoon, when I got home, I was going to kill myself. And she said, I got up this morning feeling dejected that nobody cared, that nobody loved me, that I was worthless. She said, but I prayed this morning. And I said, Lord, if you really care, send somebody my way. Send somebody to me. And she said, God sent you here today. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God swept into that classroom. And I looked at that class and I said, it don't matter. And that's why, this is why I told the class, I said, it does not matter what any of you get ready to think. I said, but the Holy Spirit has just done a work in that young lady's heart. And we're getting ready to pray. And God not only saved her in that moment, but God, but God delivered her from that suicidal spirit. And all of a sudden, what I saw there, in that year that I was there, right before I moved here, is I saw the Holy Spirit sweep through that school. I saw kids that all of a sudden that 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 would cuss you up one side and down the uh, and down the other because there were people that were praying that would walk the aisles of that classroom. No, it was against the law. It was against everything, but we didn't care because we knew that when our foot stepped foot on that ground, it was the Spirit of God that lived in us. I didn't have to have permission to do anything because we were full of the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, God began to change the culture of that. And right now, even as I speak, there are Holy Ghost men and women and students in there that are turning that community upside down from the glory of God. That is what the he will be in you. He will overflow you. Listen, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it being filled with the Spirit. You can call it being baptized in the Spirit. The real issue is, is do you have Him? Do you have Him? Does the Spirit pour out of your life like a fountain of living water? Because here's the thing, the job that we have right now, it's very overwhelming. We've never lived in a time like we're living in right now. You can't compare it to anything. You can't compare it to anything else. I'm 35 years old and I can't compare what I'm going through with anything that I've experienced. I, I can't, uh, for me personally, I can't compare it to anything else. I've never lived in a time where I can walk down the street, walk throughout the community, and literally see the fear in people's eyes. I know one politician said in, during, in, 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 in the debates, I'm not here to be political, I know one politician said, Americans do not panic. <laughs> for goodness sakes, we can't find toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, right. I can walk, I can walk down, I can, I can walk down the street. I can go into the convenience store. And I can see the fear and the worry in people's eyes. There are people right now that don't know whether or not if their businesses are going to make this. There are church, there are pastors right now. The, the depression rate and the suicidal rate among pastors is at an all time high right now. Now, and listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. I, I, I get it because you know, it, we want to stand up and we and listen. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. But this has to go beyond just simply just getting up and decreeing and declaring. Right. Because I've seen that enough, and that just doesn't work. Don't get mad at me, but that just doesn't work. 
The suicidal rate and the depression rate among pastors because churches are closing their doors. Congregations are leaving them. Just, just last week, another pastor put a gun to his mouth and pulled the trigger. Because they feel like that there's no, there's no other way to escape this. And I'm not here to talk bad about them. Right. I'm not. But here's, here's the thing. How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? You find it in Zechariah chapter 4. Zerubbabel faced, or Zechariah and Zerubbabel faced a, a task in front of them that was insurmountable. And Zerubbabel looks at the mountain that is in front of him and says, and God shows him the candlestick, the lampstand, the menorah, and the oil was flowing from it. And says, do you understand this? And he says, no. And he says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It is not by might, nor is it by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. And then he says, who art thou, O mountain? That is standing before Zerubbabel. You will become a plain. And they shall shout grace. Grace to it. How do we do this? How do we, how do we fight this? Understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God through the pool and down to strongholds. This is a battle that is fought in the spirit. And we have to have men and women that are filled with the spirit of God. I'm bringing it to a close here. A lot of this, I'm just going to be honest with you, a lot of this is going to be teaching. And we've got to understand with what is in front of us. It is important, it is of the utmost importance that before we get on social media and voice our opinion, before we run out and try to correct all the problems and the injustices that we feel like ought to be fixed. We've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Today I came over to this church right before lunch. And I began to pray. And I walked this sanctuary... And this is what I prayed. I'm going to be honest with you before we close here tonight. This is what I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, we need you. I don't know how everything is going to shake out. Now, you've heard me say this before. But I prayed and I said, God... Fill us afresh again with your spirit. I want God to use me. I want God, I want my life to be such an overflowing of the spirit of God that when I come in contact with others, their lives can be changed. I read about men like D.L. Moody 
and Billy Sunday and Smith Wigglesworth and those men who didn't have to say any, really have to say anything. But their lives were so impacted by the Spirit of God. Billy Sunday wouldn't go home at night and lay down until he knew that at least he led one person to the Lord. Statistics tell us that every six seconds, somebody dies and goes to hell. That brings conviction to me because I know because it, it's hard for me to sleep at night. It's hard for me to sleep at night when I know that I've got a sister. I know this is going on Facebook. I, I'm not worried about that right now. I got a sister right now that I know that if she stepped out into eternity today, she'd be lost. I got other family members. I got people in this community that I know. I want the Holy Spirit of God to do a work like none other. And I want Him, before I can go, I got to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God as well. Amen? Amen. Stand with me here tonight. enjoyed today's message by evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007, or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank mm-hmm. you.